Freedom HealthWorks is the direct primary care accelerator. We help doctors across the country start fresh in direct primary care. With Freedom HealthWorks, you work with a team, not a checklist. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com and together we can achieve true freedom in direct care. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. And on today's episode, it's one of those conversations that really gets me excited for, as any listener of the show will know, when we get to talk to specialists and people outside of primary care who are doing cash pay practices and seeing a lot of success, we get really excited from that from a Healthcare Americana standpoint. We like to see that success from a Freedom Health Work standpoint because it shows us that we're a lot closer than we thought before of bringing this end-to-end cash pay alternate medical system to life. So with us today is Dr. Mary Bowden, the lead physician at breathemd.org. Dr. Bowden, thanks for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Thank you, Christopher. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I'm honored to be here. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're talking offline a little bit. And so I appreciate some of your feedback. And, you know, we're always looking to get better and, and tell the stories that are really interesting to people. But your story, I love this story because, again, like I mentioned, kind of the introduction that you're seeing success as an ENT practice, you're doing a lot of other things around that. So give us the rundown of, of how your practice is succeeding and what kind of practice you have so that any specialist out there says, you know what, there is hope for me. I can exit the hamster wheel and get out of the rat race and have a successful thriving practice. Yeah. So I started my practice about 18 months ago and it was slow to begin with, but by, by year I was meeting my, um, overhead. So it took me a year just to break even. And then COVID hit and I pivoted based on patient demand mostly. And I already had a relationship with a great lab that had a great test for COVID using just saliva. It's actually the most accurate test out there now, although there were a lot of doubters early on. Um, So I pivoted to COVID testing and my practice soared, which you know, it's going to come to an end at some point, but has brought in a lot of name recognition in the area and a lot of new patients that I don't think otherwise would have known I existed or knew about the way my business runs. Going back to what you said about breaking even within a year, it's always refreshing for me when, you know, we, I get to talk finances with a physician because there's a lot of practices out there who don't know what that term means, have not done any type of budgeting or, you know, financial forecasts or anything along those lines. So, you know, kudos to you for, for having your thumb on the pulse or your finances there. I want to talk about though, that early success you said, you know, it took about a year for you to break even. What do you think kind of led to that from patients joining you, finding out about you? Where did a lot of that growth come from pre COVID? Uh, I think it's high patient satisfaction, first and foremost. I started my practice out of my experience as a dissatisfied patient. I have four boys, and I spent about five continuous years at the OBGYN's office. And I, I, I knew how awful it was to be a consumer of the traditional healthcare system. So my goal was to focus on patient satisfaction first and foremost, and profits secondary. And I think as a result, the profits came because people were so happy with the way that their healthcare experience is 
at my office as opposed to what they're used to. Isn't that amazing when you have happy people and you're like, look, this is the price. They want you to succeed. They want you to be able to make money and they want you to be able to stay in business to keep providing that incredible care that you are. And I, I think you give me your opinion on this, but a lot of doctors have a little bit of guilt about using that P word, using the profit word. Well, and I still, I definitely suffer from that. And I do think it's a shift. I mean, people will pay, I was at a spa three weeks ago and I paid $300 for a massage. People will pay for that. <laughs> They'll be annoyed if they have to pay their doctor that much. Um, so it's definitely a shift in the way people are, need to think. And I, you know, I, part of my business model is I have a lot of ancillary services that I can charge for so that I can keep my prices lower. So, you know, a new patient visit for me is $225 and a follow-up visit is $150 and an ear check, which a lot of people just need somebody to check their ears real fast. That's $75. But I have other revenue streams that allow me to keep those prices low and it seems to be working out well. Fantastic. What, and I'm curious about the business model side of this, like you mentioned, was it tough for you to say, okay, I am a specialist and I am going to put these charges out there. What type of guidance did you have on your pricing when you first opened? Um, zero. <laughs> I just went with my gut and I did some adjustments based on how I, you know, people reacted and it may change once, you know, right now I have such high revenue from COVID testing. I mean, it may change once COVID's over, um, but and it's just, you know, I kind of based it off of what's reasonable. $225, you get 30 minutes of my time. That's $450 an hour. That seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. Maybe it, a little underpriced. But. <laughs> pricing strategy is always one of the toughest parts of opening up any business. And I know that from a business owner standpoint, you know, prices are always something that you're trying to look at the market, lo local market around you. You're trying to get customer feedback coming back into it. Did you, when you first opened up, were your prices too low in your mind or were they too high? I can't even remember because COVID's been so crazy what we first charged. <laughs> I don't think I've made drastic changes in what I charge. I, I did open up the $75 ear check because a lot of people just need, you know, hey, do I have an ear infection? And that takes five minutes. And I, I can't in my conscience charge somebody $225 right. for a five-minute visit. So you know, just modifications like that. And a lot of times, you know, they'll come in and they're a new patient, but it's something really simple. And I don't have the heart to charge them 225. So I just charge them 150 or, you know, I make modifications based on what seems fair. But that's your right as a business owner and a physician to not only take the best care of that patient, but have an eye towards their finances too. And going yeah. back to what you said about, you know, living in the OBGYN's office for five years, I think there are tons of incredible doctors out there who just focus on the care element and completely ignore what that patient's financial situation is. And a lot of times that's a big detriment to the patient. I, exactly. I mean, well, I want everybody to leave my office psychologically better off. And whether that's financially or physically or, or, or just psychological for other reasons, I want people to leave feeling better. And, you know, a lot, you get come up to the office, come up to the desk after your visit and you get some huge bill that's going to take people off guard and, you know, make them feel bad. Um, and it's, it's just part of the whole package is 
taking care of patients in all facets. I love that. And, and I've said this on this program before, and I've said it in other conversations that for a physician to take complete care of somebody, there's a lot of different aspects that go into that. Finances has to be one of them. You know, if you look at their environmental health or mental health, emotional, you're doing a lot of that for their body and for their mind. But a lot of physicians just ignore the checkbook because they think it's a conflict of interest. Is it a conflict of interest to be like, look, this is an option. Like this is going to be the $5,000 option over here, but you can get up to that, you know, about that level with a, a discount over here, going to this facility or this one, you know, do you direct people for referrals based on what their financial situation is? Definitely. Like if somebody needs surgery and I know they have insurance and I'll say, Hey, you can go to this person and it, you know, I don't want you to pay out of pocket just to see me when you can go see this person who's just as good. But I see a lot of people that don't have insurance and I'm giving them a great deal. I'm giving them great care for a reasonable price. So uh, I think there's definitely potential for your abuse and conflict of interest, but it's got to find an ethical person <laughs> to work with. That's always the big thing. It's like, you can't just take the ostrich with his head buried in the sand approach to this. Like you got to look up, pick your head up and say, okay, what is actually going on here? But before we get too far, I do want to take a minute and hear from you just on the wide range of services that you're able to perform in your office. Well, yeah. And so when I was a, when I was practicing, I used to be a part of a small private practice. And one of the things that would frustrate me among a lot of things, was that you can never charge anybody out of pocket for anything if you're a contractor with an insurance company. So if you want to do something outside the range of what the insurance company is willing to pay for, you're out of luck. I mean, you can do it, but you're not going to get any compensation against the, the rules. Right. So I have things that there's no CPT code for, um, but people want to pay for. Like I have something called sinus therapy, which is based off of chest percussion therapy, uh, with patients that have cystic fibrosis, they have a treatment called CPT chest percussion therapy, where they manually dislodge the secretions from their lungs, they give them steam, they, they pound their chest, uh, and insurance companies pay for that. Well, this is the same concept, but applied towards sinuses. Um, and it's also done in a very soothing manner. So you feel awesome. It's like getting a massage for your head and getting drained. Um, and I can charge for that, but I wouldn't be able to do that in, if I were contracted with insurance companies. Um, so I do that. I have infrared sauna, which sounds fringy, but it's not. There's a lot of medical evidence, scientific evidence showing the anti-inflammatory and it, it helps with circulation. It has not been proven for sinuses, but I'm in the process of doing research for that. Um, and people love the infrared sauna. If anything, it's a place where you can meditate. And we all know that meditation is great for your health. Um, so I offer things. I mean, I'm very traditional too. I still prescribe antibiotics. I still operate. Um, but I offer alternatives for people that um, are looking for alternatives, which more and more people are now. Is that, and I'm very interested in that. I've, I've had two nose surgeries and my wife has actually had four. So, you know, between us, I think we're a little above average. And mine was, was uh, repeated trauma. Like, I think I broke my nose go- growing up playing sports, like at least half a dozen times. And it's just, 
<laughs> it, it, it was bad news. So any, any time I hear something that, Oh my gosh, like your sinus is going to get cleaned out and you know, we're, we're okay at this point, but some of that stuff where you can have an alternative to surgery. I mean, is that what you're describing trying to keep people out of the OR, but still have a ton of relief? I mean, I remember in residency, I worked with this, you know, world renowned sinus surgeon. And I mean, my God, I was like, what else is left to operate on these people who are back for their 10th surgery. And you're like, what, you know, there's something wrong here. Like, it's not just about opening it all up. There's, there's inflammation, there are other factors going on. And uh, there's a, you know, if everything's a, if you're, if all your, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail, that's kind of a way that we're trained as ENTs. Like we love to operate, we love to operate. And I just think there's more to it than operating for sinuses. And especially the balloon sinuplasty is way overdone. That's just a money make. I mean, I shouldn't say this, but in my opinion, it's a money make. It's a safe. Uh, it's a safe zone. It's safe zone. You're in the you're in the circle of trust. It's okay. <laughs> Hate mail, but it's uh, it's anyway. I just I think there's a lot of unnecessary surgeries being done, and yeah, the gold sinus irrigation is gold standard. That's it's a game changer. If people just wash out their sinuses the way they brush their teeth. It could save a lot of people from surgery. One of my favorite stories of working with a DPC physician, this guy had been a patient of his for decades, I think, didn't care of his family and stuff. And this guy always had bad allergies, was always taking allergy medication, had a couple of different surgeries. I think it was in his 60s. And the first time that this DPC physician was able to see him and spend more than 10 minutes with this patient, he said, you know, he's like, I remember it was minute 28 because I looked at the clock and all of a sudden a light bulb went off and said, do you have a down pillow at home? And the patient said, well, yeah. He goes, you're allergic to down. That is why you've had a lifelong allergy problem with this. And I'm thinking. Yeah. Basics, <laughs> get down to the basics. Yes. Get down to the basics and just take the time with them. But I'm looking at that from a dollar standpoint. And you probably see this too. How much money is just flushed down the drain trying to treat these conditions with either surgeries or medications when you're looking at this and saying, wow, this could have been a very easy fix using something like irrigation or just switching pillows. How many cases do you see like that and think, I've been saving insurance and even Medicare. Like if these people would have gone to insurance, they would have been paying tens of thousands of dollars and I just saved them all that money. How many cases do you deal with that? Well, I've just been shocked at how many people I've seen who say, I went to see an ENT and the first thing they suggested was surgery. I mean, that's just crazy. And even if it's beyond basics like down pillows or too much caffeine or, oh yeah, I vape or, you know, just, um, there's just so much, I mean, you know, there, I love, I'm going to put a plug in for this lab. I love them. Microgen DX, they tell us exactly what's living in your nose. It's not a guessing game. You don't get thrown on antibiotic du jour. You know exactly what to treat. And I don't see very many people using that. I and mean, that's pretty basic. Allergy testing often doesn't get done. I don't know. It's just surprising. I, I don't know. I had lunch with an ENT and she was saying, like, I was like, yeah, we should think about a, I was just sort of joking, an emergency room for ear visits because, I mean, nothing drives somebody to the doctor quicker than a bad earache. And she's like, oh, yeah, we, we limit those patients because they never end up in surgery. So we don't allow very many on our schedule. I'm like, that's just, just wow. so financially motivated. Yeah, there's no financial incentive there. 
Gosh, mm-hmm. you hear stories like that. And it kind of scares me because I come from the patient side of it, you know, and work with physicians, but we always come from the patient side of it and say, okay, uh, what's going to be out there that's going to affect us. And how do people's incentives play into that? Um, I'm big on incentives from a, from a company business owner and from, you know, anything else trying to get down and, and dig deep to be like, okay, is this going to be the best care? Or is this person, like you said, just going to refer me to surgery within the same network when that might not be the patient's best interest. I mean, is that starting to chip away at some of the reasons why you decided to leave what I'm going to call that in traditional insurance dominated market and go out and start your own practice like this? Yeah, I don't know if that was really the driving factor. It was more that I didn't really need to work. I mean, I have four kids. I'm busy. I didn't need the money. I just, I wasn't going to go back to work unless it was going to bring me satisfaction in a, in a psychological way. And I wanted to do it my way. I didn't want to be beholden to insurance companies. And I really, I mean, I wanted to break even, but I wasn't trying to hit off the ballpark. And I'm so glad I did it. I mean, it's awesome. I love it. I mean, it's just so different from what I was used to before. I mean, I hate to call COVID lucky, but the COVID testing has really helped. Was there a certain point where you're coming back and saying, you know what, I can't go back to what it was before? I mean, do you remember that? Was that a certain conversation with somebody or how did this idea start to grow in your head? Well, I looked, I knew I needed, I needed to get back to work. And I was just, I played around with different scenarios. I did have, I remember a conversation with a friend who said, you need to start a sinus spa, which I, I really don't like that term because I don't want to sound, you know, <laughs> Well, people pay $300 for a massage, so maybe the spa is the right <laughs> terminology. A friend reminded me earlier how I'd always wanted to do some sort of health spa. And spa is not the right word. I just, I just think that the, it's the patient satisfaction, the patient-focused care. The traditional method is so awful, like, starts with the parking like you you have to go up a five-story parking lot and then you got to walk forever to try to find the office and then you you're greeted by somebody who won't make eye contact with you and just hands you a clipboard and slams the door in your face it just wrecks your day going to the doctor and and it seems unnecessary (laughs) so that was part of it is just trying to do it differently and that appealed to me in a big way We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from some of our fantastic sponsors. And then we're going to hear, again, what the successes that you are seeing and then get your thoughts on where we go from the COVID pandemic from here and in your practice. So stay tuned after this uh, message from our sponsors. Health insurance premiums are rising faster than actual medical costs. And employers everywhere are struggling to keep their heads above water and take care of their amazing team. Most people will never meet their deductible in a given year. So shouldn't there be an alternative to health insurance for people who don't really need it? At Custom Benefit Solutions, we build better benefit solutions by pairing local, direct primary care options with affordable medical cost sharing plans. This creates affordable options for America's small businesses. These companies are able to save money and provide an actual primary care doctor that'll take care of your employees and their families. Employees enjoy getting the care they deserve without struggling with confusing co-pays or deductibles. Want to learn more? Go to custombenefits.org and talk to a team member today. Custom Benefits Solutions. We solve for care. Healthcare can be complex. If you're managing a chronic or life-threatening illness, Patients Rising is here for you. 
We built the Patients Rising Concierge to help you navigate stressful health decisions and get the support you deserve. You will find personalized support by calling, emailing, or visiting our website. Our team is standing by to help with your unique situation. Find the help you need today at patientsrisingconcierge.org. Welcome back to Healthcare Americana. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig, talking today with Dr. Mary Bowden. And she's an ENT, started her own practice in Texas called Breathe MD, freeing herself from all the constraints of the traditional insurance-dominated system. Dr. Bowden, you, you mentioned that you saw success and as you, as you grew to break even, but then you find yourself in the middle of a pandemic and you're able to, well, what's called in the startup world, a pivot. You're able to introduce a lot of COVID testing. I'm trying to figure out you know, how to ask this question the best way, but I mean, that's remarkable. We saw so many physician offices absolutely crushed by the pandemic because they were forced to close their doors and they weren't able to innovate at all. We saw some telemedicine coming around and specialties and primary care and, and, and kind of therapies, but you're able to take this pandemic, take it in stride. And, you know, you mentioned earlier in this episode that your practice really took off due to this pandemic and how you were able to get new product lines into your practice. To me, that's incredible. And you don't see that in any kind of traditional physician's office. If I had been contracted with insurance companies, it wouldn't have been possible because I wouldn't be able to charge patients anything for testing. And that might've been the question I was looking for. I'm like, could you have done this if you are contracted with insurance or the government before? I could have, but not, I mean, you could certainly have done it, but you wouldn't be able to make it the focus of your practice. It wouldn't have been worth the hassle, I guess I would say, if you were contracted with insurance companies. For me, it's, it's been, you know, I basically patients book online, they pay online, they show up at the door, they don't even come into my office. We hand them a cup, they go to their car and they spit into a cup and they leave it outside the door. So there's no contact involved. I don't have any claims to file or, I mean, there have been, you know, people want to file their own claims. And, oh, and one thing, one thing you are seeing how the insurance companies manipulate the system. I've never seen anything like it with COVID. They will change the codes and make it so I think the codes, the ICD-10 code has changed about 10 times since we started testing. Wow. So patients try to file their claim and they're saying, oh no, they're denying it because it's the wrong code. And then, okay, we give them the right code. Well, they need your social security number. And half of Houston has my social security number right now because I've had to provide <laughs> so much information for people to get a, a file claimed. And under the CARES Act, the insurance companies are required to reimburse patients fully for their COVID tests. But they are finding loophole after loophole after loophole. And it wow. is amazing. I mean, it's it's very eye-opening. Yeah, we joke around the office that, you know, insurance is the art of writing a contract that you never have to honor. It's been very eye-opening. And oh, and then the other thing I went, so early on, I was, this was in March, I was sort of shopping around the competition. And I went to one of those urgent care centers to get a rapid COVID test. And they knew I was a physician. They said, oh, no, no fee. Don't worry about it. I actually don't have insurance right now. So it's, <laughs> I know. And I get a bill in the mail for over $2,000. For, for my test? rapid test. Yes, for a rapid test. I didn't even enter the emergency room, never talked to a doctor, 
I, I had to answer about 10 minutes of questions, got my finger pricked, and then got a bill for over $2,000. And then I publicly shamed him and the bill was removed. <laughs> wow. I'm just curious about the line item charges on that. How do they even justify that? Emergency care visit. Wow. Well, there's some people, thank God that you had you know, the, the wherewithal to be like, no, this isn't right. But there's some people out there that pay that. It's absolutely head scratching. I, I mean, it, it really, really is. And I know sometimes these conversations get fun and, and we tend to drift and things, but you know, something like that just highlights some of the lunacy that happens. And I always feel bad for people that rely on urgent cares and ERs for their basic care because that's their life, right? That's, they deal with those type of charges. And I'm like you, I, I don't actually have insurance. I have a health share, which we just joined for my family for a fraction of the dollars. And so we're excited, you know, hopefully never have to use that. But from a financial standpoint, we're excited to be a part of that and cut our spend down big time. And then, you know, when issues do arise, we get to call physicians doing incredible things like yourself and say, give me the cash price. I'm going to shop around. I'm going to be an educated consumer. And oh, by the way, try to keep me out of surgery <laughs> as, the, as the last resort. It's just that education aspect of getting a lot more patients into it. So do you see any success bringing referrals in from other direct care practices, from direct primary care practices? You know, what's your, what's your main kind of um, customer acquisition funnel? Well, definitely. I mean, the majority of referrals are direct primary care providers. I mean, honestly, most of it's just word of mouth. It's people that, and ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a big one. I get a lot of people that um, find me that way. And, and Sesame is a new, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Sesame. Mm-hmm. We had them on there. We did an episode with them uh, a few months ago, actually. They have been a source. And I really haven't spent much time networking because COVID has just made things so crazy. But that's my next step is to try to work with employers and those sorts of things to do more contracting with larger groups. Do you have any out-of-state patients that come from a medical tourism standpoint to come down and see you? Yeah, I, guess, I mean, but they, they're, they have a connection to Houston. They're not just coming to see me. They're, they have another reason to be in Houston. I asked that question because, again, from a primary care standpoint, which is most of, most of our clients are primary care, DPC practices, looking at just options where we can take somebody who's in a primary care setting who might need to elevate their care to a specialist like yourself and then want to continue paying cash. And I think that's kind of the holy grail from a freedom health work standpoint, but even from an industry standpoint where if you can build up the capacity or you build up that amount of predictable referrals coming in, it may be a thousand DPC patients yields you a hundred people a year. I mean, I think that could be a big game changer coming in. And then you can come in from all over the state, you know, or all over the, the country. Houston has a pretty good airport system. So I think people could be able to reach out and travel and get their needs met and again, stay out of surgery. So I'm a big fan of what you what you guys are doing, of course. And I, I try to say that earlier, like when specialists are doing this and showing that direct care works, it's really, really exciting. Any words of wisdom to fellow ENTs or people in more specialty care who are tired of the day-to-day insurance-dominated hospital systems? Well, it can be done. I've reached out to, there's a ENT forum, the Academy of Otolaryngology ENT forum. I posted, okay, I want to go cash only. A lot of naysayers, tons of naysayers. Only one person said, I've done this and I'll help you. So there are not a lot of people out there doing this. 
but it can be done. I do think a lot of it was luck, my success. The COVID has helped, um, but even without COVID, I was breaking even after a year, which is good for any kind of business, I think. So it can definitely be done. I think the, the biggest thing is just focus on your patients and making them happy. Treat them the way you'd want to be treated and you'll differentiate yourself just by doing that. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, uh, you know, I look forward to, to working closer with you. And, and again, using this podcast as a platform to get your message out there. And hopefully somebody's out there and hears it and says, you know what, I've been looking for this for my patients. And this is exactly what we need rather than just referring down to a local hospital and doing a disservice to that patient by putting them right back in the system that uh, isn't working for really anybody at this point in time. Dr. Yeah. Bowden, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here. Wish you the most success in the world, you know, especially as, as hopefully this pandemic is behind us and you're able to kind of recenter your practice around the things that you love doing. So thanks again for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Thank you so much, Christopher. That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig. If you'd like to have more information about direct primary care, visit freedomhealthworks.com. And for all of our episodes, visit healthcareamericana.com. Thanks for listening. At Green Imaging, we provide diagnostic imaging procedures that include MRIs, CT scans, and x-rays for half of the average price in a health plan. Most people don't realize that the most expensive place to get an MRI is right down the hall from the prescribing doctor. This is because 70% of doctors are now employed or subsidized by our hospital systems. When we get an imaging exam at a hospital-owned imaging facility, the cost of care is three to seven times more expensive than it is at an independent imaging facility. There is a better choice that can save you up to 65% or more. That choice is green imaging. In most hospitals, there are 16 administrators for every single doctor. This creates an unnecessary burden on the price tag. By removing this excess, Green Imaging provides diagnostic services typically at one-third of the price or less. Check us out at greenimaging.net. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.